Those of this show are not experts. All information discussed and debated on the show is publicly available, and the opinions of the hosts are not fact. We apologize for any offense you may take and discourage any message of hate, violence, and discrimination, but such messages may be repeated from reportedly original sources for purposes of debate and discussion. We encourage your involvement in the discussion, but do not support any similar aforementioned message. You're listening to American Minutes. We are back live for the first time, I believe, since April 12th of this year. Uh, we also 15 minutes early, American minutes, if you will. We have 15 American minutes early, but that's okay. I wanted to get this show. Uh, this makes everything works again. It took me a little while to get everything set up, but Nash, we're back. How does it feel to be back live, L-I-V-E, on four different places this time? We were on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. It feels great. I feel alive. I feel free. It's like I'm driving down the sunset and wind blowing in my hair. All right, all right, Christ, Nash, don't get all don't get all <laughs> philosoph- don't get all philosophizer on us. All right, uh, we have we have a pretty exciting show this week um, live. So if you're watching, make sure you uh, drop a like and the drop a like, a subscription, a share, hit that notification bell on YouTube. Help support this podcast because you know the algorithm isn't. Um, we're talking about Florida, the state of Florida this week. We're also talking about the state of New York this week. Uh, as you can tell by the title, we're talking about Andrew and Chris Cuomo this week. And we're finishing up with critical race theory. Uh, that's a lot of fun. So, Nash, um, start us off because you have this, this hot minute reports. I can only imagine what the hot minute reports. So, uh, walk us through this. We got Forbes, Fox News, and the Texas Tribune. So, what we got? Yeah. So, from Forbes, so pretty much released yesterday. Um, from 2012 to 2014, uh, Denmark aided the NSA, that's the U.S.'s National Security Agency, in tapping phone lines for French and German prime ministers, a mother, among other European allies. Um, that was actually pretty well known during the Obama administration, except for the fact that Denmark was helping them. So... Yeah, take that as you will. Um, from Fox News, we got uh, former Black Lives Matter leader Rashad Turner released a video pretty much stating, after a year on the inside, I learned that they had little concern for rebuilding black families, more specifically referring to the movement's desire to disrupt the nuclear family in their own words. Um, uh, so, yeah, let, so, let, let, let's touch upon this for a second. Because this 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 is the, this is the second uh, BLM story I heard this week. The first one being one of the other founders is leaving the movement to quote unquote, be a mother and take care of her child. Oh, but I forgot. She just bought a brand new mansion. Yes. So if, <laughs> and, if, um, if that's yeah, not, if that's not yeah. sketchy at all, then I don't know. I don't really know what is. Um, so yeah. So the- yeah, Rashad Turner was pretty much like the leader, I think in Michigan, um, for about a year or so, and yeah, he just didn't like the message of it into it. I mean, he's still very dedicated to the area he grew up in. Um, he's an educator, so it's something that means a lot to him, you know. He wasn't in it for anything else other than to help. Right. I mean, I, as honestly, Nash, I feel like most people are, you know, especially in the in the movement itself, in the organization, um, People around the country and the world supporting the movement. Like, yeah, I, I support the cause. I support what they're fighting for. 
I just don't support the organization because of stories like this. Like this, and it's like you know, there there is multiple problems with this group that we've covered over the past year. We've talked about, um, and it's really a shame because they are promoting for something that is a real issue, and they're just going about it the complete wrong way. At least in my opinion. Yeah, and um, I'm fairly certain, like, sort of the nuclear family is pretty scientifically backed up that it is very helpful for a child's development. Yeah, and that, of, um, that of course, is the idea that a child does better when there is a mother and a father in the household, um, you know, getting traditional values from both of them. Now, personally, yeah, I believe— least two, at, least, at least two parents. A two-parent household is pretty much the— And I was just about to say that. At the very least, yes, two parents is— Actually, okay, I'll say a man and a woman is probably the most ideal. Um, Just do historical research and studies and whatnot. But two parents, be the same sex, um, obviously obviously same sex, uh, whatever. Two parents is better than one parent in every single scenario. Um, So the fact that they want to disrupt that is because they consider like, remember we had that chart like a a year ago uh, from a a museum, Nash, do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, from the museum in DC. Yeah, and like disrupting the um the nuclear family was one of those. Like, why would you do that? Well, I mean, that was something that we brought up a while ago, and honestly, it's a topic that a lot of people bring up nowadays. Um, they were probably a year, or two years ago. It was being brought up a lot about how sort of the welfare mentality really did a lot more harm. Um, African-American communities and help because it essentially encouraged single parent households. Yeah, that too. Like if you looked at, if you looked at, I think it was in the 1950s, um, divorce rates for white people were way higher than black people. And then after the welfare gets passed, it's incredibly higher in black communities. Mm -hmm. Now I'm sad. I I don't like seeing marriages fail. But Nash, what's our what's our uh, our next story you got here? Yes, yeah, so from the Texas Tribune and a lot of other major news sources have picked it up, but I think the you know I think this is the actual source they deserve it. Uh, Governor Abbott tweeted that he would veto state legislature pay after a walkout occurred during their recent voter restriction bill from um, Democrat minority leaders in their house. Yeah, I did see this. Can, so, you, can you can you elaborate on this for me? Because I don't quite understand what is going on. Um, They wanted to change quite a few things um, for just voting rights. They wanted to make it harder to do mail-in. They wanted to change the times uh, that you're allowed to vote, um, among a lot of other things. But essentially, the minority house, a lot of minority house members walked out of the building so they couldn't actually bring it to a vote. Um. So it's kind of like, you know, how the president has to approve the budget, right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much governor, the governors have to do the same thing for states. Um, But Governor Abbott is essentially not signing off on Section 10 of their budget, which is how legislators get paid. So pretty much everybody in their house won't be getting paid until they meet to actually vote on it. Classic. So it's 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 petty politics 101. Um, sort of. And I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a sticky situation just because, um, I haven't looked too in depth in the bill to 
know my opinion on it. Um, but what it seems to me like is the minority leaders in their house didn't want to have the bill go forward. So they left is the gist of it, which isn't right. I don't think. And I think he's totally right to do that. Um, if that's the case, just because if the majority of the house wants it, the bill would pass, then they should go through it. It's kind of just like preventing them from doing their jobs, essentially. Right. They're pretty much like staging a, staging a strike almost. Yeah. And so. Yeah, that's that's not good. I mean, listen, you are elected to not only just to lead, like you are elected to work together, whether you're left, right, libertarian, Tea Party, whatever. You're, you're elected to work together to lead. That's really what you're elected for. And if you just walk out, you should just resign. Just resign. Get the fuck out of there. Well, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it is a tactic that's within their ability to where, you're right, the bill can't get passed because they didn't show up. But, I mean, I assume there's, I assume they can't run away forever. Yeah, right. It's It's, like, I don't think, think, yeah. It doesn't mean the bill goes away. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I don't think it's really going to change anything. It's just sort of, they didn't want it passed when it's, if the, you know, majority of the house that was elected um, is going to vote on it, then it's just going to get passed, you know. I mean, it's 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 good. Do better next time, as in the elections, is my kind of. <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 I support I support you, like you know, fighting for what you believe in. Um, you know, this is a peaceful protest, but you're not helping. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of delays the inevitable. It's like, oh, you can't just make a better argument why this bill shouldn't be a thing. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Okay, all right. See what that gets you. See what that gets you. All right, but let's get into our main stories, Nash, because this is going to be probably going to be a long episode. We're going to be live for a while, ladies and gentlemen. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. signs a bill that fines platforms for extended extended bans against political candidates. Now, I like some of these words, but then it's what political candidates. What about everybody? That was my first thought. Why only political candidates specifically? Hmm. It is interesting. Like, why? question. That's kind of like it's an open, open platform. So comment below. Like, why does this apply to you know, like independent journalists? Why does this apply to people on YouTube, people on Twitter? Like, you know, this average people. It's like DeSantis is making a bill. This literally is a bill in response to Donald Trump. It's it a hundred percent is. Um, that being yeah. said, I don't know if I 100% disagree with it. It's an interesting law. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting situation. I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on it. Initial thoughts before you go into details. Surface value, if you I will. mean, it's sort of like um, when we did the Trump initial tweet thing where he got banned for Twitter, I was sort of in agreement with you. Yeah, I should probably get banned for that. Yeah. After looking into and seeing the countless videos of people saying literally the exact same words or even more aggressive words for people to take action. Um, it seems very ludicrous that he would, that he would get banned. But what's even more ludicrous is the fact that other platforms where he didn't do anything like that also banned him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. So it's kind of like, there's a very blatant bias towards that. Um, and yeah, I don't think any citizen because of who they are should be should succumb to that. 
So let's go into more it's details. It's kind of criminal. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of criminal to target an individual. DeSantis signed a bill into law Monday that will fine social media companies if they ban political candidates in this in the state from their platforms for more than 14 days. Now, how does that work if, you know, Facebook's a global company? It doesn't just operate in Florida. Like, is is Florida kind of overstepping its boundaries here? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how this can legally happen. Uh, no, I mean, they have to comply in Florida if it's in Florida. But... It, nah, that's, so, just, that's just how it goes. So it, it just it just voids any other law from any other state? No, it doesn't void any other law from any other state. It's just their law and using it. So they have to apply by all the laws plus this law. Well, I mean, other states have different laws too. Right. So. Okay. It's that that, that was like that was that was confusing to me. California, like you you can't buy certain plastics or something in California. So on Amazon, you'll see that it's like, hey, if you live in Florida, you can't buy this. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, the move makes you live in uh, California. California, no, I I know what you meant. The the move makes Cal- makes Florida the first state in the country to successfully pass a bill that regulates how tech companies moderate their platforms. The law, which is likely to be challenged in court, appears to be largely aimed at preventing indefinite or permanent bans such as those currently against former President Donald Trump. Also, before we continue what's going on, our sources for this story, I do want to stop doing that now, our sources include Rogue Rocket, NBC News, New York Times, The Hill, and a YouTube from uh, Rising with Crystal and Sagar, uh, Sagar, 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 Sagar. Sagar. I, I don't know how you pronounce them. <laughs> it's 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 Sagar. Um, yeah. So YouTube video. All all the links are in the description down below. Um, so you can you can do your own research. Tell us if right, wrong, etc., etc., etc. Okay. So it also comes in response to the argument among many conservatives that big tech is biased against them. Now, that argument has been disputed in studies by institutions such as the New York University Stern Center for Business and Human Rights, which is also linked uh, in the show notes. It's a giant PDF uh, for your reference. Now, Nash, do you think there is a bias towards right-wing censorship? You know, the studies have saying that there isn't. Um, but I think, I mean, there is. There, 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 there definitely is. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't a bias towards left-wing uh, channels either. There's plenty of those as well. But which way does it lead more? I would argue it's pretty close down the middle, to be honest. I think, I mean, I haven't looked into it since we stopped looking into it because I know we were following it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a few episodes about it, and it seemed heavily more right wing than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, that's just an knowledge I have from there, but I don't know how it is right now, nowadays. Although, I mean, I, I guess the biggest point is sort of there are right-wing people who are literal politicians getting banned, and there aren't, like, left-wing politicians who are getting banned. Yeah, like that, is a, that is a good rebuttal to, to New York University Stern Center for Business and Human Rights. How many left-wing politicians have been banned permanently? Yeah, which is kind of like people that have a bigger soapbox have right. been banned. You know, you know, it might be the same number, but it's kind of like quality versus quantity in that. Like whether they deserve it or not, right? They're it, it, it they're they're more they're more likely to be smeared. You know, Ron DeSantis, you know, the person who probably wrote this bill is sixty minutes didn't lie about him. Um, 
maybe this bill wouldn't be so easy to pass, right? Like, you know, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the big whole thing is that the, there isn't like a, a standard. There really isn't a standard for who gets banned. Like, if every politician that had said "fight like hell" or whatever got banned from Twitter, there wouldn't be any politicians on Twitter, and it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be upset by that because they'd be following the same rule across the board. But they're just blatantly not. But Nash, it's impossible to monitor everybody like that. There's so much stuff that goes up every single day. It's impossible for these tech companies to do it consistently. It's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why you don't have that's a why, lot That's why it shouldn't exist. Liability. Yeah. Well, that's why they don't have a, li- a lot of liability to do so. If they're trying to do it, that's all it takes because the government, like in the 90s, acknowledged that it was – going to be next to impossible to ban to appropriately moderate all of that yeah like you can you can say what you want about ron DeSantis. i i i don't hate the guy as much as a lot of people i know do i don't think he's as bad as people say he is he's not he's not that great either i don't know i honestly i don't think i'd vote for him if he ran for president but i can say the media has a vendetta against him. The left wing has a vendetta against him. They're trying to bury him before he can even get his head above the sand. Um, and I think that's an issue. They don't cover him fairly. They don't cover him honestly. There's plenty of things to attack him by, but instead they just try and smear him and they're proven wrong consistently. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's absurdly petty it's like it's like it's i I don't want to like him but when 60 minutes smears him so blatantly and gets caught or the new york times is the same thing i don't know if the new york times after does anything as a a, a, a hypothetical it makes me like him more yeah i mean it's kind of like how they're trying to a bit of a sidebar like smear joe rogan yeah yeah they they did he's another one they're they're smearing him a lot some things, you know, might be justified. Obviously, me being biased because I love the guy. I love his podcast. Um, there was one of, one of a week or two ago. I was like, yeah, you know, Joe probably shouldn't have said that. But then again, he's a comedian. Who cares? Like, like it really shouldn't yeah. be that big of a deal. They're making a big deal out and, of a small thing. And almost, I think every single episode I've listened to or seen, he calls himself an idiot. Yes, <laughs> it's not consistently. Like, he doesn't. Yeah, he's not establishing himself as somebody to follow. And in, in fact, I think he even suggests people to, don't follow him or take his word yeah, he's, that well. And he's, I don't, I, it, it's so weird to me because I don't even think he's that right wing of a guy. He's not. He's, he's, you I know, know I, he's, he's pro gun. I think he, <laughs> he's pro gun. That's really it. <laughs> he's pro gun. He likes to hunt. So like, I guess that's enough to, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's enough to censor him, which just seems like the most ridiculous thing to me. It's because like, he's kind of like the biggest, the best example, like of today of like freedom of speech. Like he is literally anybody goes on a show, a huge variety of people go on a show and just talk for three hours, experts, com- experts, comedians, actors, like everybody, UFC lawyers, fighters. You he, know, he had the mayor yeah. of of mayor of Austin on last week. He talked talked for an hour and a half. Now I was like, you know what, this guy, yeah, this like- guy makes a lot of sense. He had Dan Crenshaw on multiple times for a three out three three and a half hours at a time, three or four different times. This guy makes a lot of sense. He said some quack quirky shit, which I disagree with, but you know, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. 
Bernie Sanders, uh, Andrew Yang, all these people have been on Rogan. And they make a lot of sense. The Weinstein, the Weinstein brothers, you know, like even in the end of Joey Diaz, who's just a crazy motherfucker. Like, yeah, but the, the yeah. media smears him trying to make him right wing where it's just like, no, listen to what he's actually saying. And listen to his guests because yeah. they're very, very insightful. If you try and cancel that, you're missing out on a lot it, of different things that the society needs to hear. And that's where it's very scary where they're just trying to smear a guy that all he does is just want to talk to a bunch of different people. Like you can't have that like that. Even that's too much. Yeah. You can't have just different types of people talking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What What lunacy is that? Well, Nash, I heard this quote the other day that this, that this blended in so perfectly. It was like the woke culture is merging with corporate culture. Now it's like, Oh, God, stop. You, it's terrible, but it's so accurate. You know, like everyone I has. I mean, that's, that's, what's, that's what's been happening for so long. And I feel like we pointed that out yeah, like, like a well, while ago. No, but no, but the, the, the you know, woke, woke culture has been going crazy forever, recently at least. But to make that comparison that woke culture is mixing in with corporate culture. It's just like, you know, corporate has a very certain culture. It's like, you know, neat, trim, prim, you know like act a certain way and that's blending into the mainstream which is an issue that's a big issue yeah because corporate it very much so lacks humanity you know you have to abide by sort of inhuman standards where you are lacking expression and to have that merge is uh disgusting Let's go back. Let's actually go a little off the track. Let's go back to this law. The law says platforms cannot take down or otherwise prioritize content from, excuse me, from a quote, journalistic enterprise that reaches a certain size. For example, last year, Facebook and Twitter both suppressed the controversial smoking gun Hunter Biden Ukraine story from the New York Post. Remember that? They suspended New York Post's uh, Twitter account, an actual news organization. And like, you know, they refused to talk about this Hunter Biden story, which was a very credible story of corruption. And <laughs> they just took it off. They just, just they just, they're, no, they're no. like, no, nope, no, nope, fuck you. Uh, upon signing the bill, Governor uh, Ron DeSantis declared that it would guarantee, quote, protection against the Silicon Valley elites. Uh, quote, if big tech censors enforce rules inconsistently to discriminate in favor of the dominant Silicon Valley ideology, they would now be held accountable. And that's just true. Um, they do favor the Silicon Valley ideology, which leans mostly liberal. Academia, which we're going to talk about later on, leans mostly liberal. The elites in the news lean mostly liberal. Now, that's fine. That's, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you discriminate and enforce your rules inconsistently, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's kind of terrible. And then more details. Um, If a platform extends a band beyond the 14-day window, it can be fined up to $250,000 a day if the candidate is running for a statewide office. The fine is lower, around 25000 for candidates seeking other offices. Which, woo, that's a hefty fine, baby. I mean, um, there's some quote. Oh, who said it? I forget. It's like if, um, if 
uh, I don't know. It has to do with if you replace punishment with fines, then the rich are sort of more free than everybody else. Yeah, it's it's That's uh, the it's it's, the quote. it's 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 legal for a fee. Yeah, it's free for a fee. Um, now, so that this this is kind of what I'm confused, right? So can a, can Facebook, I guess, ban something in Nevada? Right, it's like so on that fifteenth day, right? Is it is it public to view in Florida, but not public to view in, to view in Nevada? Like, how can that? How is that possible? Hmm, that's that's, that's tricky. Like, that's uh, what I mean by like, how can this be enforced in all fifty states or nationally? Because, like, it, if they ban someone for fourteen days, can they unban someone just in the state of Florida? Like, I don't understand how that can be possible. Um, it almost forces our hand to just make it publicly available everywhere. That's what I mean. It's exactly what I mean by overstepping, overstepping the state laws, national laws, even. Well, no, it's not overstepping. It's perfectly within that state's right to do that. Um, it's just incredibly inconvenient, incredibly expensive for those social media platforms to do. Yeah. Well, so it's sort of like, Hey, keep consistent with your rules and there won't be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a sounds pretty good. It yeah, mm. and and you <laughs> know what? And this this mm. this law, at least on paper, applies to all politicians. Like it's not just Republicans either. Like Democrats can take yeah. advantage of this too. Like what actually happened? You know, in Florida, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't like I don't see this at, yet as a really bad thing. Uh, but we're not we're not finished yet. So the law also requires platforms to be explicitly clear. Um, about why they take down or leave up certain content and opens a route for banned users to be able to sue if they feel like a suspension is inconsistently applied. Now, that is a incredibly good thing in my opinion. You know, if you get taken down, they, they have to tell you why. You know, a woman last week got fired from the AP. I believe it was the AP. Um for writing a pro-Palestine, like, um, no, that wasn't it. Um, it was, like, writing tweets from high school or college calling Ben Shapiro, like, a turd, took a cross, like, a racist or something. Maybe someone was pro-Palestine. I don't remember specifically. But she was fired from the AP for bringing a social media policy. When she asked which post, which policy, they just didn't give her an answer. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we did the story with Twitch where they had suspended, like, millions of videos uh, because of, I think it was copyrighted music or artwork, and they never told those people why they were getting banned, like, yeah. an, up until, like, a, a month or so after it had happened. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't, like, that, I don't that, think that, you that can do that. people's livelihood. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, think, I don't think you should be allowed to do that, especially biasly. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, a lot, lots of these systems, I assume, are automated. So it's like if this person yes. gets banned, you could very easily have an automated message say you got banned for this because you used this word. Yeah, like YouTube will tell you, like you, 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 uh, you have violated our X policy on this video, but they don't say that's really it. It's very vague. It's very general. They give you the video and the reason, but no specifics. Now, Nash, users can now sue. Doesn't that? go against Section 230, which is a national law? Um, not necessarily, because it's very... 
it was designed, right? So this Section 230 was essentially, when it was first designed, it was to protect those publishers because technically all those websites are publishers. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, I guess. They're all publishers. They allow people to publish things for other people to consume as content. Mm-hmm. And so they're designed to protect those companies with, okay, if you're not, you know, specific enough, it's okay. You have to have at least general rules that you try to apply. But now the tech companies kind of started to abuse that by selecting people out, like you just said, and banning them inconsistently, mm-hmm. which I think you could very easily argue goes against 230. Yeah. where they're not applying rules consistently. They're just sort of targeting who they want to and having a bias towards individuals. And look, I don't want them banning anybody. Like, it is, in general, I, I have a common belief that banning things are bad, especially when it comes to ideas, speech, or, or arts, right? Like, just don't... Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't want Democrats being banned. I don't want Antifa accounts being banned. I don't want Black Lives Matter accounts yeah. being oh, banned. Yeah. And thousands of them have in this past year. You know, like Trap Chapel yeah, Trap House, it, banned from Reddit. It's it's kind of like the easiest solution to this is just not to ban people, which would make me very happy. Yeah. Or if it's sort of like, all right, you can't use inappropriate language, or we have a filter for inappropriate language. Like, that's the type of thing that really 230 is designed around. Is like, that's all they're asking. You know, they're not asking for a lot. They're just asking for something and they abuse that. And now it's sort of like, well, we have to, they have, I assume DeSantis and a lot of legislatures in Florida are feeling that they have to do something to counteract something that their actions that clearly have a bias. Or something they clearly believe has a bias. You know, the, the, uh, the bias is up for debate, right? It's, I'm not going to say it's a fact one way or the other, um, cause I don't think there's enough information, enough research, yeah. but no, I, I think that's fair to say, but it, oh, oh, you go. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, it, I think it's, I think it's very possible. There's a right wing bias. Um, but you, you can't just discredit the fact that left wing accounts get banned too. If not, sometimes there's in more quantities cause you don't hear about it as often. Like you think, you think CNN is going to really cover like a, a black lives matter account got banned from Twitter. No. Cause they support Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And uh, as far as I see, it, this really doesn't have, this law doesn't really have a bias towards any one party. It's just sort of in general. Like it's good for both sides equally. So that's why I really, I don't think I have a problem with it so far is that it seems to be pretty even-sided. And it sort of agrees with the fact that you shouldn't, you know, restrict people from talking about things. Ah, oh, yeah. So I just got to turn the light on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it's getting a little dark in here. It's a little darker dark, and I can actually see myself. All right. So Nash, uh, here it's, it's it is Florida though. It's not Florida without a little bit of ridiculousness. Uh, a late amendment to the bill uh, exempts companies from the law if they own a theme park or an entertainment venue larger than 25 acres. That means that law is unlikely, uh, unlikely, sure, to apply to websites owned by Disney, which operates the Walt Disney World Resort and Comcast, which owns Universal Studios in Florida, which to me is just 
I have it in all caps in our notes. Ha, 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 ha. It's just absolutely ridiculous. That's <laughs> very funny. <laughs> it's the, it's, it's hilarious. Funny. It's amazing. Fucking Florida, dude. It had to be there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's very, that is very funny. And it seems like a weird thing to say. Yeah. It's like, like for theme, theme parks, theme parks, <laughs> theme parks can, uh, can, can, can biasly discriminate whoever they want. <laughs> they can kick someone off, the, off their social media, plat Disney plus if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> is that like is that what that means i mean well, that's, see the thing is that's really well is that, is that does that mean that facebook is just gonna like make a theme park <laughs> can you imagine they make a 25 mega <laughs> theme park um well no this is because you know florida brings them so much money to the state they don't want to piss off disney because they're a cash cow for them you know it's disney's a very a very important part of that state's economy so they don't want to yeah. piss them off. Yeah, because it's a tourist location. It's, yeah. I mean, the whole state is essentially a lot yeah. of its revenue is just based off tourism from people like fishing and going to beaches and all that. Um, it's just that seems like how does Disney – I don't get – it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, why Disney- is it – that doesn't need to be in there. I just mentioned it because it's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, pushback and opposition because yeah, we're already going late. Uh, Democrats, libertarian groups, and tech companies have all argued that it violates the First Amendment's rights. Now, Nash, it's a pretty bold claim for a bill that's designed to protect the First Amendment to claim that it actually doesn't. Yeah, I'm confused by that. So we're going to go through some quotes here. There's also the possibility that the law could be at odds with Section 230, which I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, So, quote, by forcing websites to host speech, this bill takes us closer to a state-run internet where the government can cherry-pick winners and losers. That's from Carl, Carl Spaz, Saz, Sabo. I think SC is a chuss sound, so Chabo. Sabo. Zabo. Zabo. Yeah, Zabo. It, 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 yeah, my name has a C, a, a SZ in it. It's a Tara Tarish yuck. So Zabo. Uh, Vice President of the General Council of the Tech Industry uh, Trade Group, NetChoice, said. I'm sorry, Carl. I got your name terribly wrong. I'm bad. Okay, but let's break this down. Wait, 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 big tech doesn't like that? Oh, I I would never believe that. So by forcing websites (laughs) to host speech, we have less speech. Like this isn't a state-run internet at all. This is ensuring that people running for state, see, this is why it should just apply to all citizens in Florida because then you can't have this stupid argument. Well, it's essentially ensuring that um, political candidates are allowed those equal time. It's kind of like that uh, bill we've brought up before that used to exist before Dick Cheney destroyed it. Um, That's what I don't get. It's kind of like, well, didn't that kind of happen in the presidential election? And wasn't that like kind of admitted to by all the people that did it? Oh, the Time Magazine article. Yeah. 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 It's. It, <laughs> did he, they kind of admit to doing that already? Like, is that why this bill is being made? He, go, he goes on. <laughs> he goes on to say, "It is the government telling private entities how to speak." No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the government. It's, letting... it's the government <laughs> saying you cannot restrict who can speak. Yeah. It's the exact opposite. 
In general, it's a gross misreading of the First Amendment, he said. The First Amendment was designed to protect like sites like Reddit from government intervention, not, pro- not protect, quote, politicians from Reddit. No, it's not. Reddit isn't a person. Reddit is a company. Reddit does not have free speech. Reddit doesn't... It's, uh, it's, a, it's a publisher. It's a publisher. I mean, like, Reddit... I shouldn't say Reddit doesn't deserve free speech. I should say Reddit cannot restrict free speech. Because, that Nash, I talked to this with your brother the other day. Like, it doesn't make sense that when people say it's a private company, they can do whatever they want when it comes to social media platforms. Because what are they selling? What do they sell? To the public, not, not to the shareholders. They sell, pu- they sell public opinion. <laughs> they sell public opinion. When you post something on Facebook, there's an option to put it public. When you tweet something, it's public. When you post YouTube, it's public, which mean, which should mean by the First Amendment, it can't be restricted. It's public. Yeah. Like, so, so yeah, you own a private company, but what you sell is free speech. What you, really, what you really sell is data, but what you offer is free speech. So this guy is just a moron. Like four news articles quoted this Carl Zabo guy. I think he's a fucking idiot. If this law, some, if this law could somehow be enforced, it would allow lawful and unlawful users' posts, including pornography, violence, and hate speech, that will make it harder for families to safely navigate online. Well, guess what, Carl? Porn, viol. Porn and hate speech are protected in the First Amendment. Violence in the form of in the form of speech is questionable. It's not like the mail restricts what you write in a letter. Right? It's it's not like the US. Right? It's it's, office. it's an opening letters being like, oh nope, that's too pornographic. We gotta get rid of that. Right? It's not like Verizon can shut off your phone service because you're talking to your friend from the clan. Right? The the Ku Klux Klan has Verizon or Sprint if they're poor, right? Like Nextel, if that's still a thing. Are you gonna cut off their phone service? People probably argue, yeah, you should. But no, that you can't do that. You can't because it's utility. The internet should be a fucking utility. I don't know why this is so hard. Yeah. Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, also slammed the law, calling it, quote, innovation for extremists, racists, and liars to register as political candidates just to keep their posts online. Which, you know what, Nash? That's a fair point. Extremists, race, and liars, treacherous politicians. Hmm. <laughs> it's a loophole. It's, it's kind of like it's a loophole. It's kind of like they it's kind of like they already do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? what do you mean? Oh, oh, so you're telling me that extremists, racists, and liars aren't already on those sites posting stuff that isn't getting banned? Like the guy that's in charge of Iran is allowed to post on Twitter, but Trump can't. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. guy that's just, just spewing straight propaganda. There, 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 there. No. How about if you just keep everybody the same? We wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> Seriously. Quote: People eager to chip away at the core First Amendment protections for speech must remember that the consequences won't just impact content they dislike. Yes, exactly. They'll apply to everything, he goes on to say. 
Government control of speech on or offline will inevitably be abused by those in power and made crystal clear by Republican state legislators at home and government abroad like India and China that are already censoring critics. Now, let me just, let me uh, let me let me um, adjust this quote for Mr. Wyden. Um, big tech control of speech on or offline will inevitably be abused by those in power. <laughs> Like, like, like they already do. Like, I don't. As made crystal clear by by sort of the <laughs> Times article stating how uh, organizations like Facebook and Twitter that are already censoring critics. <laughs> yeah, like that that that's what happened. Like, listen, listen, I don't want I don't want government controlled controlled speech either, at all. Oh, YouTube too. YouTube, but but, but that that's not what this bill is. I don't understand how you can draw those dots together. What like what 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 dots are you connecting? What picture are you seeing that I'm just completely oblivious to? Because people are stupid, dude. Because they're just they have to get out there and just straight up blatantly lie so that idiots will read it and be like, oh yeah, they're right. That's wrong. You know, the Republicans did something down there in Florida, and that's bad. It's like, well, I mean, they made a bill that means if you run for office, you can't be censored Yeah, for more than 14 days, which, I mean, let's be honest, when it comes to timing for a campaign or something, 14 days could really make or break a campaign. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine somebody got, imagine somebody got banned from all platforms 14 days before the election. Hey, if, if that, would, that, would, that would really hurt them. If Andrew Yang kept off Twitter and Facebook for 14 days while the whole Israel-Palestine thing was going on, he'd still be in the first place for the mayor. <laughs> it could have done him some good. Um, anyway, the last point. Chamber of Progress, a self-described center-left tech industry coalition, so not a bias at all, uh, criticized the new law by limiting tech companies' ability to combat hate speech and disinformation. Both Twitter and Facebook are corporate partners that support the Chamber of Progress. So you mean Twitter and Facebook support the group that wants to give them more power? No shit. Now, Yo, dude, you couldn't you couldn't ban the Shah of Iran. That's all I'm saying. You couldn't even ban that guy. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> How did I get off? Get off your ivory horse tower. Like, what is this? What? Hey, we won't be able to ban all those racists. You're doing a terrible job of it right yeah, now right? anyway. You're, you're, you're ending a test failing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, we won't be able to do that thing we're terrible at anymore. What do you mean? So <laughs> you're never good at it. They go on to say, quote, at a time when many people want to see healthier online communities free of hate and conspiracy theories, the bill ties platforms' hands a uh, bill ties platforms' hands into the fight against toxic and incendiary content. It would turn Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube into anything goes sites like 4chan and Gab. Fortunately, the bill is so clearly unconstitutional that its authors' efforts to turn the internet into a cesspool of lies and hate should be short-lived. That's from uh, Adam, I can, I'm not even going to bother, Kovanach said in the statement. Well, let me tell you something, Adam. The internet Kovacevic. is Kovacevic. The internet is already a cesspool of lies and hate. Have you been on Twitter? Yeah, I don't. Have you seen the Rachel Maddow show for the past five years? 
Yeah, like, or maybe this will make people really want to clean up their acts because they won't be getting banned as much, and they'll be like, oh, I finally have a platform to talk without getting restricted. I mean, look, if you really wanted a healthier online community free of hate and conspiracy, you should just shut down social media altogether. You, yeah, that company wouldn't exist. And honestly, you wouldn't have made a secret government cabal. <laughs> like, That's it. Admitted to it. <laughs> oh my God. It's like the most absurd thing. Oh, it's like the craziest thing I've ever. Oh, wow. That is just hilarious. It's, it's, it's absurd. hilarious how, it's hilarious how stupid it is. People in Hoboken just love their fucking motorcycles. I don't get it. So while while many or more than 100 similar bills have already died in other states, this move from Florida could still set a precedent. In Texas, for example, other similar proposals is still being debated. So overall, um, I, 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 I don't see this as a terrible bill. I don't. I, I, I really don't. I, I see this as as a win for every. Like, honestly, the only critique I have is this shouldn't just be specifically for political candidates. It should apply to everybody. Yeah, and I think it's weird that Disney's involved. It is weird that Disney's involved. Is Disney best to release a social media platform? <laughs> like, look, and this this could also be Ron DeSantis doing the right thing for the wrong reason. You know, the argument saying that this is just so Trump can get back on Facebook, back on online. This is so like, Trump couldn't give you a ban in the first place. You know what? That is the real reason why they're do- a big one of the real reasons why they're doing this. Yes, that's one hundred percent true. Um, so do- I- this could be a sample of you know, Ron DeSantis is doing the right thing for the wrong reason. But is that the wrong reason? Depends who you ask, right? Like I personally, you know, well, Donald no, Trump. I mean, don't- no, how? How is that the wrong reason, though? Well, it's their intentions. Their intentions aren't as pure as they want you to think. They're not. They're, they're not really champions of free speech. They're just mad because their team is. They, they. They're trying to like you know. They're trying to like make it so they can't be banned. They're trying to bolster their party. This is strictly being done uh, for for partisans. That's not. That, that's not bolstering their party. That's just literally just the basis of freedom of speech. You are not letting a certain political opponent talk. Why? You can't explain why. You can't give consistent reasons why. That sounds just like it violates the freedom of speech. Yeah. Well, this bill is... It doesn't seem for the wrong reason to me. I just don't get how you could think that. Well, the, the, it's not like the, the bill wasn't drafted... Florida resident. The bill, the bill wasn't drafted uh, for bipartisan lines. Let's put it that way. It wasn't drafted really. It was really it was drafted, you know, to give Republicans help. Well, it helps Democrats too. So I don't does, see how it, it does help Democrats too. You're right. I don't see how you can say that when it's. I mean, it clearly benefits both of them. Like, yeah, and if there is an issue so egregious where you think that the Democrats won't get any help from this, then that, there's an even bigger problem there. All right. Well, because that's kind of admitting that their opinions aren't getting banned as much. Let's let's move on to New York City. So New York City is to open schools fully in the fall. But my question, Nash, will it actually happen? Uh, our source for this is NPR. Link in description. Uh, Facebook, we're on Facebook, tw- it's not on Twitch, it's on Facebook and YouTube. 
uh, we can see all the links. Uh, Nash, can you can you code in the links for our description on the podcast? Maybe. Maybe. Like, uh, I, I, I wonder if you can do, like, bullet points and stuff like that. I wonder if you can figure that out. Um, we'll talk off. Yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely put this text in. Yeah. yeah if you can make it look, look, it may not be though. a click. It may, it may not be a click through link, but you can, you can copy. You can try. All right. So New York city mayor Bill de Blasio is promising a full reopening of the nation's largest public school system in September. This means in person five days a week with no remote option for students to attend school exclusively online. The mayor made the announcement last Monday on MSNBC's morning Joe, to which I say, Yes, finally. Good news out of New York. Ooh. Are you being uh, sarcastic? No, no, I'm serious. That's, <laughs> that, 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 like that. <laughs> no, this is great news. This is great news. At, at a city council <laughs> hearing last week, officials testified um, officials testified that all but 10% of the city's public schools could fit the students in classrooms three or more feet apart. Oh, sorry, I missed that, that bullet point wrong. That's, I'm going to tell you that later. So strike that, reverse it. Almost 70% of the nation's students <laughs> attend schools that are currently offering full-time in-person learning, um, according to the organization Burbio. Um, but question, now will it actually happen? Questions remain about how New York City will be able to accommodate 100% of its public schools in person. Some administrators worry that there won't be enough space to fit all students in classrooms under current social distancing requirements. And that's why I said, you know, 10% of the city's public schools could fit the students in a classroom three or more feet apart. So, meanwhile, many New York City parents have expressed, uh, see, now here's where it might not happen, Nash. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, people who live in New York, it's certainly dark of people. Uh, meanwhile, many New York City parents have expressed reluctance around in-person schooling. Data from the U.S. Education Department shows students... Okay, I should probably clarify. By this by this bullet point, I mean liberals. Um, liberals are going to make sure this doesn't happen if it doesn't actually happen. Um, so data from the U.S. Education Department shows students of color are likely are less likely than white students to be learning in person as of March. Um, committees, communities of color in the U.S. have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. In New York, Asian and black families in particular have been more likely to keep their children home, according to demographic data released by the city. Parents have cited virus safety concerns, a lack of trust in the school system, and fear of discrimination in or in or on the way to school as reasons for keeping their children home. Some parents have said they won't feel comfortable until their children are vaccinated, while others have said they prefer remote learning because it works better for children academically or socially. I don't know how it helps them socially, but academically, maybe. That, that does the exact opposite for socially. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? So that's dumb. So Nash, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a parent. I feel like I should preface with that. I'm not a parent. So I guess I, I don't know, but something tells me that being behind a screen all the time makes your uh, social skills kind of ass. So I, I see a bunch of people in New York wanting the option for in-person or remote learning, to which I say, fuck you. You want to teach your kid at home? You can homeschool them. Yeah, go homeschool your kid. There yeah. you go. That's been the solution forever. Like mandating remote learning when it's a nightmare. Like I've heard from so many different people 
who will either have kids or are teachers, how just ineffective and terrible it is for actually learning. Um, and virus safety concerns, like, listen, I don't know how much data you can throw at these people to be like, listen, it's not going to affect your kid, like, at all. Uh, by then, they can be vaccinated, and by then, in September, like, like, what? Why do you people? What are you concerned about? I also saw like, this morning, New York City had like the first stretch ever of zero deaths, like in over three or four days in a row. I don't know the exact day total, but New York's had zero deaths of COVID in the past X amount of time for the first time since the pandemic started. So, yeah, school should be open. Yeah, and it's kids, aren't they? Like the least affected by it. Yeah. But, you know, Nash is teachers unions as well. So want to hear how the unions want to hear how the unions could get in the yeah. way of this? Michael Murgo, yeah, I'd love to hear. Michael Mulgrew, president of the United Federation of Teachers, the city's largest teachers unions, wrote last week in a daily, the New York Daily News, that the city must maintain a remote learning option for a limited number of families next school year. On Monday, he said, Quote, we still have concerns with the safety of a small number of students with extreme medical challenges. For that small group of students, remote option may still be necessary. Which I go, no, it isn't. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, like uh, I don't know what they mean by that. I don't know what they mean by that either. But no, it's time for schools to open. It's time to put COVID like to bed. Like really bad asthma or something. I don't know. Like, like I, I don't know. I honestly have no idea. It, it's it's just yeah, it's just like you know it's just like teachers don't want to go back to school. Let's just make up a reason because we're a union. Yeah. So this is a fun. God, that's just that's terrible. Is this a fun little story? New York City schools are set to reopen. Yeah. But liberals being liberals, what actually happened? 50-50 at best. I mean, that's a place that usually is, like, very, like, really supportive of, like, the teaching and the education fields. And it's like they're doing the opposite of it. Yeah. Your teachers get paid more than anybody else in the country. You don't have faith in them? Also, what's the point of three feet away? Yeah, I don't know. What's the science behind it? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm so over the stupid restriction things. It's like, give me the science. Give me the science behind it. Yeah, there's... No more random rules. No more random rules. How about that? They're just doing things for the sake of doing them. Like, uh, well, wait, wait, we can pivot now. Cuomo. Uh, Cuomo said Madison Square Garden can be at can be at full capacity with vaccinated and unvaccinated sections. The unvaccinated sections will be spread out a few seats apart. To which I go, if you think about it for more than five minutes, what happens when they enter and leave the building? What happens when they go up to take a leak? What happens when they go and get another beer? What happens when they're in the concourse together? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a meme I saw a while ago that was like, I'd love to see the science behind uh, standing six feet apart in line to get on an airplane and then sitting negative two inches away from somebody in a seat <laughs> in a metal tube in the sky. Like, yeah, that that's stupid. It's stupid. Well, I think there's a way to, I think there's a way to filter the air on the airplane. So that might be, act, there might actually be some science to that. 
Well, no, what I'm saying is you're still right next to somebody. Yeah, I know. It's stupid. I know. You can't know. filter it that. You can't filter it that quick. It's not like everybody's using those masks that they drop down. <laughs> which, right. I, which, which they should have. I feel like that would have solved everybody's problems. Everybody just get on their own oxygen supply. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> clocking with an oxygen mask on. All right. So our next story: Cuomo advises Cuomo. Uh, tale of two Cuomos, Nash. So our sources for this are the Washington Post, who broke the story, New York Times, the Jimmy Dore Show on YouTube. And Rising with Crystal and Sagar Sagar uh, on YouTube as well. Rising is phenomenal um, for the news. I, th- I think that's I think that's Sagar. Sagar. I don't. I've never heard it before. Just they say by at it spelled. They say it. they say Sagar. That's Sagar. Sagar. Yeah. <laughs> do, do what they say. So they do say the name. I'm just bad at reading sometimes. All right. So this is gonna be a fun story, Nash. I'm very excited. So I'm going to get pretty mad. CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. <laughs> CNN anchor Chris Cuomo advised his brother, New York Governor Andrew M. Cuomo, and senior members of the governor's staff on how to respond to sexual harassment allegations made earliest year by women who worked with the governor, according to four people familiar with the discussions. Okay. So first off, First off, <laughs> now first off, he lied about killing a bunch of old people. Now, now you can do. Now you can continue, Daffy. <laughs> now, if 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 Chris Cuomo advised his brother Andrew Cuomo in private, offline, at dinner, at his house, in his basement, fine, I get it. On your, the corpses of all the old people they killed. Yeah, sorry, you're, sorry, you're, sorry. Just... You're brothers, all right. That's that's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make fun of you for that. That's totally. That's in the realm of fairness because it's family. You can't. Yeah, it's something you really couldn't prevent. Let's like, be realistic yeah. here. They're brothers. Like, you however, know, however, <laughs> he was talking to senior members of his staff, his lawyers, his his PR team. What are you out of your fucking mind? That's... I mean, is it like it? Is it illegal? Is that illegal? All right. Well, let's let's see what the Washington Post has to say because they covered this story <laughs> okay, love very very <laughs> gently. Cuomo, one of the network's top stars, uh, joined a series of conference calls that included the Democratic governor, his top aide, his communication team, lawyers, and a number of outside advisors, according to people familiar with the conversations who spoke to a condition of anonymity to describe the private sessions. The cable news anchor encouraged his brother to take a defiant position and not to resign from the governor's office, the people said. At one point, he used the phrase cancel culture, as a reason to hold firm in the face of the allegations. The behind-the-scenes strategy offered by Chris Cuomo, who anchors CNN's 9 p.m. nightly newscast, cuts against... Here's the... Here's, okay, here's the, here's the uh, 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 part. Cuts against the widely accepted norm in journalism that those reporting the news should not be involved in politics. That's a, that's a polite way of saying... Yeah, he just... Broke every rule in journalism. This is journalistic yeah, malpractice report, 101. You report the story, you don't become the story. That's yes. like. Yes. 
Now, Jimmy Dore did an excellent rant on this, an excellent piece. I don't want to steal his bit. It's linked in the description down below if you're watching on YouTube uh, or on Twitch or hopefully in the show notes. But go find it. It's absolutely phenomenal how much he just destroys the Cuomo's and, and the Washington Post writing this bullshit article. Just... It cuts against the widely accepted norms in journalism. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> like the standard, like the first standard. <laughs> Quote, if you are actively advising a politician in trouble while being on an on-air host on a news network, that's not okay. That's from Nicholas Lemon. Uh, Lenderman, I, I, I can't, that's too far away to see. Lehman. 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 A professor at the Columbia Journalism School and a New York, a New Yorker staff writer. Again, no shit. No shit. So this story broke. This story came out. Uh, CNN had some, uh, they find him, right? They, they cut his time slot. No, no, they just let it slide. Washington Post, again, didn't critique CNN for this either. In a statement, CNN acknowledged that Chris Cuomo took part in a strategy strategy session saying his involvement was a mistake. Quote, Chris has has not been involved in CNN's extensive coverage of the allegations against Governor Cuomo on air or behind the scenes, the network said in a statement, in part because he has his own show, he could never be objective but also because he often serves as a sounding board for his brother. However, it was inappropriate to engage in conversations that included members of the governor's staff, which Chris acknowledges, the statement said, quote, he will not participate in such conversations going forward. The network said Cuomo, meaning Andrew and Chris, will not be disciplined. Oh, yeah, where else they're getting their ratings from? I mean, they haven't hit above a million in, like, a few weeks. So, Nash, for uh, for a news network that claims to only present the facts in fair and honesty, and not, not, not so much. Yeah, that might be why their ratings are atrocious. Might be. Now, uh, Cuomo did offer an apology, which I'm going to play for you right now. We're going to cut in between. Allow me a moment. If you'll remember, I told you back in the beginning of March, I can't cover my brother's troubles. It wouldn't be fair. And you got it then. And I appreciate you understanding. All right. All right. He didn't cover the troubles. But he had no problem covering the good stuff. No problem. Segment after segment. No, nope. yeah, that's a good point. No, no problem. <laughs> no problem giving him all the positive press he wanted. Oh, but bad things can't be doing that. I, I can't. No, I can't. Do I that. can't. That I'm, would a, be I'm, I'm a journalist. I went on air saying thanking him for his great service and how great of a job he's been doing and showing true leadership. That wasn't biased or journalistic malpractice or or being objective in any way possible. He's only my fucking brother. Anyway, he goes on. Now, today, there are stories out there about me offering my brother advice. Of course I do. This is no revelation. I have said it publicly, and I certainly have never hidden it. 
I can be objective about just about any topic, but not about my family. Those of you who watch this show get it. Like you, I bet, my family means everything to me. And I am fiercely loyal to them. I'm family first, job second. But being a journalist and a brother to a politician. Yeah, it shouldn't be allowed, really. It really, it really, it really shouldn't be allowed. Is unique. Or just and a unique challenge, and I have a unique responsibility to balance those roles. It's not always easy. People can say and write what they want, but I want you to know the truth. How I helped my brother also matters. When my brother's situation became turbulent, being looped into calls with other friends of his and advisors that did include some of his staff, I understand why that was a problem for CNN. It will not happen again. It was a mistake because I put my colleagues here who I believe are the best in the business in a bad spot. I never intended for that. I would never intend for that. And I am sorry for that. It's also important for you to understand, not only do I not cover this here, I've never tried to influence this network's coverage of my brother. Really? Yeah. Really? You sure? <laughs> you sure? And Chris, Chris, you, 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 you sure about that? Because that's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah, the, the only way for that to happen is if he never covered his brother ever. Which he shouldn't. He shouldn't be allowed to cover his brother. It's journalistic yeah. malpractice, he, 101. It's, it's just like, yeah, I feel like any network would be like, no, you can't cover him. because You, you, can't, you can't be an objective. Instead, Cena's just like, well, we'll only let you cover him if it's a good thing. In fact, I've been walled <laughs> off from it. This is a unique and difficult situation, and that's okay. I know where the line is. I could. No, you don't. You don't. You don't know where it is. <laughs> you don't. Because if, no, you don't. No, if, you don't. if you knew where the line was, you wouldn't have crossed it. You wouldn't have been on the phone <laughs> with his fucking lawyers. And respect it yeah, you and still be you, there you for my family, which I must. I have to do that. I love my brother. I love my family. I love my job. And I love and respect my colleagues here at CNN. And again, to them, I am truly sorry. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. Yeah, you're a fucking Fredo. God, I hate these. I hate this fucking guy. All right, that's the end of the clip. Um, so the episode further illuminates how the Cuomo brothers have benefited from their respective high perches in politics and the media. Early in the coronavirus pandemic, a top state Department of Health doctor was dispatched to the Hamptons to test Chris Cuomo and his family. Uh, yeah, so he got special treatment from the government for testing. What a shock. Um... Oh my God. There is also the time early in the pandemic where he lied about being in quarantine for two weeks, reporting from his basement in air quotes. And like they had a whole video on YouTube. But still, this YouTube's still up, by the way. You can go to CNN and find his video. It's still up of him emerging from his basement after two weeks of quarantine, where it was later released that he was let out and walked around this town like two weeks prior or a week prior. So that's, that's one. That's misinformation. I should be taken down because it's a lie. So YouTube isn't going to take that video down. 
Uh, so yeah, he's just full of shit. Aides to the governor said his brother was simply part of an informal effort to provide support in the face of the harassment allegations. Quote, there were a few phone conversations with friends and advisors giving the governor advice. That's from which, uh, as a party, as a party, uh, a spokesperson for Andrew Cuomo. Chris Cuomo has long been a key confidant of his brother, regularly advising him about politics, according to people who know both men. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> they just admitted that this isn't the first time this has happened. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Daffy Daffy, he knows the line. He knows it so well because he left it 12 years ago when he crossed it. <laughs> and he so never actually, looked back. So Chris, let me read this again. Chris Cuomo has been a long confidant of his brother, regularly advising him about politics, according to people who know both men. Now, isn't that the problem? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You, should, you shouldn't death. say that as a good thing. That's not a good thing. He's family, he's family first, and he loves his job, and he knows the line. You just heard him say it. Why would he lie? Former and current administration <laughs> officials said the anchor played an active role early in the governor's coronavirus strategy suggesting providers for the state to secure protective equipment that would be uh, equipment, which I, like. okay, okay. So everything I just read above would be fine if he was part of the administration. <laughs> but he's, like, part of you know, you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, they're the Kennedys, you know, uh, Jack, Jack had Bobby. Okay. Now Jack Kennedy Oh, sorry, Bobby Kennedy wasn't wasn't on TV before Walter Cronkite, right? <laughs> and people got mad at Hannity when he appeared at a Trump rally. Remember that? Remember people got really mad at Hannity oh, yeah. for appearing at a Trump rally, as they should have. In all fairness, they should have. Now, they're not mad at Chris Cuomo advising the New York governor? <laughs> on how to on how to beat on how to beat sex alleg sexual assault allegations. Wow. It's let's and honest to God, that's an attempt to undermine the court. That's swaying public opinion to undermine the court. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Chris Como, you shouldn't have a job. You should resign. Like what? Should probably be in jail. Like, that's probably illegal. It it has to, it has to be some sort of legal. I don't know the law. I don't know the journalism laws like that, especially in New York. But it's definitely unethical. It's a thousand percent unethical. Except it's unethical doesn't mean it's legal. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably I can almost guarantee it violates some code of ethics or whatever that CNN has written down somewhere. Yeah, it definitely violates CNN's policy. But yeah, Nash, final thoughts on this story because this this just pisses me off. Now, there no, might no, it's, that seems utterly ridiculous. There there might not be a right wing bias when it comes to censoring and deplatforming, but there is definitely a left wing bias when it comes to this shit. Yeah, and what, what amazes me is how people have responded by just their dwindling viewership. Nobody, wa I don't get who still watches them. Yeah, Brian, Brian Stelter went on vacation uh, for like a month ago, for like a week or two, and his ratings were up. 
And when he was gone, when he came back, they plummeted again. Oh my God. From CNN, which is adorable, which is actually really funny. Um, Honestly, honestly, Nash, their ratings are so low, and that's with the help from all the bars across the country. Every airport has them on. Like, public places have CNN on the TV, MSNBC, maybe Fox, right? So, depending where you are in the country. So, those numbers are propped up by, like, businesses, bars, restaurants, any public place with the TV. Mm-hmm. So, who's actually watching, watching? Nobody. But here's the thing. Does that matter? Like, really? Does it really, does it really matter? Because this, this, is, this is an ever-changing world, right? Cables are dying entity anyway. Uh, cable ratings all across the globe are, are, are down for everything other than even, even sports, right? But mm-hmm. how is their social metrics? How many people watch their clips on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube? The algorithm supports them. So no one's watching them on cable, but a lot of people are watching on social media, which is the one piece people forget. So yeah, no one's watching on cable. That's because they're watching elsewhere because it's shoved down their throat because of the algorithm. Yeah. That's it? Nah, this, nah, yeah? No thoughts? Mm. No, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I don't, I don't get how that, like, is still cool. How they can still, how you can work there. <laughs> like, like, you've got to have your head so far up your own ass. You really Honestly, Nash, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I, I love my job. I love my job at Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. But I swear to God, I want to apply for a job at CNN and then go in for an interview. I'll do it. And they go, yo, do you have any questions? Do, do you have it. any questions for us? And just fucking go off. Just go off. Like, yeah, I have so many questions. How do you just live with journalistic mal- how do you just live with journalistic malpractice? How do you still have things up there that Russia keep being completely false? How do you justify going after uh, right wing people, the president of the United States for four years with no evidence? How do you how? It's how. How do you live with yourself working here? And why do you expect people to work here? I really, I want to do that so bad and wear a wire doing it. Well, now they know, man. Now they can Google you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to do that, first of all. And um, even if I did wear a wire, sure. hypothetically, Nash, I know why if I did wear it, I would never make that release public because I'm pretty sure it's not legal in New York. Um, that would be, that would yeah, be, that would be for audio, I think. That would be for that would be uh, for, for me audio and you. recordings. Yeah, that would be for, for audio recordings. You have you have to get permission. I think certain certain states it's one way. Uh, certain states it's two way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would I would, I would that would be for us, Nash. We could laugh that out behind closed doors. But our last story, <laughs> our last story: Republican states look to ban critical race theory. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Our, our sources are Axios, Washington Post, and the Houston Tribune. Uh, again, links down below. So. On the surface, I mentioned earlier, I don't like things being banned. Uh, academia, art, and speech specifically. So I, on the surface, do not like this. But after looking into it, they have a point. 
So critical, in my opinion, critical race theory should not be banned outright, but how they teach it and the messaging behind it, there's a lot of issues with it. Nash, your thoughts. I mean, it's more of like it shouldn't be taught as curriculum. I don't know. That's what I assume they mean when they say they've banned it um, from an education standpoint. Like, I would still imagine that somebody's allowed to talk about it if somebody brings it up, but it can't be part of, like, the curriculum. Right. It can't be part of the student. It can't be part of the syllabus, the student planner. Right. It can't be can't just kinda like, tested I mean, on it. Evol- yeah, like, evolution versus, you know, religion was part of curriculum, and that got, you know, that had a lot of court cases about it. Yeah. Deciding well, what to do about that. I mean, listen, if you're teaching it as a theory... Okay. Theories can be disproven. Theories can be opinionated. It's a theory. It's a thought. Right? That's fine. But let's let's break down what is critical race theory. Critical race theory is a framework developed by the 19, in the 1970s by legal scholars, including Derek Bell, finally a last name I can read, and Richard Delgado. Well, I like this story already. That argues white supremacy <laughs> maintains power through law and other legal systems. Now, on the surface... That's a fine theory, right? I don't think that's an out of out of whack, blown out of proportion, crazy, um, eccentric theory. I think it's a theory that could be proven or disproven. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense if somebody's going to exercise power using law and legal systems is probably a good way to do it. Yeah, and that's very very easy to view it's very easy to study i think you can point to specific examples in court cases and yeah like that. and i think a lot of laws that would argue that it's white it's, it's white supremacist or it's racist uh, a lot of those exist either intentionally or unintentionally i'd say modern day it's most likely more unintentionally but historically it's been very intentional um critical race theory quote invites us to confront can confront with unflinching honesty how race has operated in our history, in our present, and to recognize the deep and ongoing operation of structural racism. Um, deans of the uh, deans of the University of California school, law schools said in a joint statement last year. Again, I agree with that. That's a conversation that needs to happen. You need to confront um, our racist past, our racist present, and our potential racist future. Because racism still exists in this country, for sure. And it has definitely existed in our past that needs to be taught, and it needs to be taught properly. Now, are you still with me? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think it's existent in the present legal. Um, I think laws are presently racist. I wouldn't say intentionally racist. I don't think any of them are even intentionally racist or unintentionally racist. I mean, like there are there are laws that are out there. Okay, the the uh, illegal illegal marijuana that's a racist law. You can make the argument that's a racist law because it, it it quote unquote disproportionately affects black people or people of color minorities. How so? What do you mean? Most mo- most of them are in jail for it. Oh, people who have been arrested. I, don't I should know. say. I don't know if that's the case. Right, like, like they, 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 they studies show crit- critics of something like that of, of the drug war say, you know, out of all the people in prison for drug offenses, X percentage of them are are, are non-white. 
people of color, minor minorities, right? Whereas opposed to, and it doesn't, it, it's way more than like the the the, uh, the 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 population percentages, like you know, thirty percent is African American. It's way more than that in the prison population. So you could say the drug, the the war on drugs disproportionately affects African American and people of color. Henceforth, the the law the law on drugs is racist. Well, I, I don't think that necessarily means it's racist. I would, I would say. I don't think I, I don't. I don't think I, I don't disagree with your point. Right. But that saying it like that doesn't necessarily mean it's racist. Yeah, one on one doesn't necessarily equal two. Yeah. Like, like, listen, because if if it if if they were only arrest if they if no white people if there was zero white people yeah racist very racist. But the fact that white people are in there too, it's it's not. Kind of. Right? You can make the argument that it's not. Now, to my compromise is saying, okay, it's unintentionally racist. It's a by, the byproduct is unintentionally affecting these people more. That's where I land on it. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean racism. Right, I agree. I, but I, I don't it's not inten- it's not intentionally racist. No, I mean, it doesn't mean that the legal system is racist. Whereas, like, if you have a corrupt judge that does that, that sends people to prison based on race, and yeah, the legal system is racist in that instance. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, so here's, here's, here's where I start having issues. While critical race theory does not have a set of doctrines, its scholars say they aim to overturn what they characterize as a bond between law and racial power. So how do you want to teach it in schools so they don't have a set law, they don't have set doctrines? I don't know. That sounds very difficult. Like, how can you <laughs> how can you teach something that not everyone agrees upon? There's no foundation for it, right? That's essentially what it that sentence be means. Like a unilateral, right? Yeah. I mean, like you can have you can have different theories. Like you know, it's probably like I'm sure there was multiple different theories of evolution. You can teach all of them. That's fine, but it comes from the specific doctrine that man evolved from chimpanzees and uh, et cetera, et cetera. We evolved from monkeys, right? That's, well, no, not not necessarily. That that, but that's that's one of the doctrines of um, evolution. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly one of them. But as you said, there are multiple, and they can explain things differently. Right, but it has a doctrine, it has a um, set doctrine. Critical race theories, it's like it's kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement. There's no leadership, there's no laws, there's nothing we can really want to accomplish. It's just it, it is it is. Have yeah, fun. it'd be hard to, you'd have to, you'd want to define the system more before. It's like, so how do you go about teaching something you can't strictly define? Well, let's think of things that we do teach that aren't strictly defined. Um, philosophy. English language. <laughs> all, all of philosophy. I don't know. I feel like philosophy, if anything, is more strictly defined. Yeah, I think philosophy is the most defined thing we have. Because that's just based off of people's theories and interpretations. There's no, know, there's no right answer, of, though, right? There doesn't mean there's a right answer, but teaching philosophy, you have set values and principles and laws, so okay. it's very okay. clearly defined, you All know? Right. Whereas, I don't know, like Schrodinger's cat or whatever, teaching that, it's 
doesn't really necessarily have a set. It could be this, could be that. Who knows? Or it, it's honestly like trying to teach a religion because there's multiple types of religions. Like if you want to teach Christianity, okay, well, do you want to do Catholicism or Protestant? Okay, do you want to do like European Orthodox or like Western Orthodox? Or do you want to do, you know, like Presbyterian or do you want to do like Baptist? Like yeah. it gets, I feel like that's how you'd have to do it. You couldn't teach it because there is no set way you'd have to look at all right here's this guy this is how he thought he defined it this is this guy this is how he thought he defined it yeah so uh well okay so critical race theory holds that race is a social construction upheld by legal systems and that racism is a brand is uh, is sorry is banal and common so that sounds like a doctrine Yeah, it sounds like that seems, to be, I guess, if that's kind of a critical principle of it, I guess. Right. So there's this, 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 so they, they, they have, they have thoughts and ideas, but there's no like actual set on paper rules. There's no constitution of critical race theory. Under this framework, well, George. Thing, like, I'm sure somebody's written stuff about it. I'm sure some people have written stuff about it. Under this framework, George Floyd's killing and black Americans' higher morality rate, mortality rate, excuse me from COVID-19 are not aberrations, right? They say, they're saying that George Floyd's death and the fact that uh, African-Americans have a higher mortality rate from COVID is due to racism? Okay. Wait. Say that again. Now you confused me. Under So critical race theory holds that race is a social construction upheld by legal systems that that racism is banal and common. Under this framework, George Floyd's killing and black Americans' uh-huh. higher mortality rate from COVID-19 are not aberrations. Okay, okay. Critical race theorists, also known as crits on the streets, um, dismiss the notion that racism stems from... What? <laughs> <laughs> They're crits on the streets. Okay, just, keep, just, just keep going. Dismiss the notion that racism stems... From acts of individuals, saying it comes from how the nation formed, only through attacking routine practices and institutions through core conscious efforts will racism will racism be dismantled. They say, "quote Critical race theory is an effort really to move beyond the focus of finding fault by Im- impugning." Yeah, impugning racist motives. Impugning? Racist imputing, impugning, impugning, this word, Nash, impugning, you're Nash, fucking, you read the quote, you read it, critical race theory, you read it. Uh, Critical race theory is an effort really to move beyond the focus on finding fault and impugning racist motives, racist biases, racist prejudice, racist animus, and hatred to individuals is looking at the ways in which racial inequality is embedded in structures and ways of which we are very often unaware said Kendall Thomas, co-editor of Critical Race Theory, the key writings that formed the movement. Only th- okay, so it stems from acts of individuals. Maybe, you know, I, I think I think well, a lot I think a lot of it is based on the individual. But then again, every culture has has history of racism in it. I'm I'm really getting confused by this beginning part. Move beyond focus of finding fault and imputing racist motives. 
racist bias, racist prejudice, racist animus, hatred to individuals, and looking at ways which bad instructors. I mean, well, I mean, it, it's saying we're going to ignore all these examples of people being racist, and we're going to look at it being racist through this. So it's kind of the opposite of like uh, the scientific method. Mm. Where you have, they're assuming the end result, and so everything is trying to prove that end result. Uh, they also note that the Declaration of Independence refers to the Native Americans as savages, that's in quotes, not me, uh, and the U.S. Constitution countered, accounted enslaved black people as at a rate of three-fifths, a three-fifths compromise. They say such credos yes. gave the U.S. cover to remote indigenous people and keep black people as second-class citizens. So that was uh, systematic systemic racism. That, that's clearly um, examples of systemic racism. Like, clearly. Yeah, but that's not, that's not a law anymore. No. So I, I think if you're going to compare, uh, like, the war on drugs... And, um, or even COVID disproportionately killing. Every time you say disproportionately affecting, that can't compare to the three-fifths compromise. It's not the same thing. Well, it's just like all of those things were changed well before critical race theory was ever hypothesized. So yeah, it's in the 70s. Like, so it's sort of like, you know... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's sort of like that didn't really help anybody. All right. So this is, that's what critical race theory is. So Republican states looking to, to ban it. Republicans in at least nine states are moving to limit students' exposure to critical race theory, um, a concept that links racial discrimination to the nation's founding and legal system. I mean, well, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, just, I think that's just reasonably true. Racial discrimination is in the nation's foundation and legal system. I think it should be taught, definitely. This is how you teach it. Conservative activists are pressing for less talk about racism and more talk about patriotism. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, civil rights advocates and some educators say banning critical race theory from schools constrains academic freedom and suppresses the experiences of people of color. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Tennessee governor, that's your home state, Nash, in case you didn't know, Bill Lee signed a law this week banning the teaching of critical race theory in public schools. Well, they're not funded anyway, so might as well give it one more thing. Um, Idaho Governor Brad Little and Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt recently signed similar bans, and lawmakers in Oregon, Arkansas, Utah, Missouri, and Arizona are crafting their own versions. Republican Burgess Owens, a Utah Republican who is African-American, said local school officials who advocate critical race theory should be fired. Quote, fire them. Get rid of them, Owens said during a Saturday appearance on Newsmax. Quote, that ideology is against everything we believe in. We need to fire everyone we can find, and those we fire will fire later on. We'll figure out a way to get rid of them too. That's oh bold, Nash. That's bold. <laughs> That's, that is very clear-cut, his opinion. <laughs> it's just, I mean, like, listen, listen, listen. History taught in schools is very is is whitewashed, right? We have whitewashed our history to some extent. Can you agree on that? 
I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. Do you mean like with for white people or do you mean like just made it simpler? Made white people look less bad. I don't know. I don't, I don't, not my education. <laughs> I knew bad people. <laughs> I, we debated bad people doing bad things. See, I think it's tough like this because, like, sometimes when people give examples, it's to like what they're not teaching as opposed to what they are teaching. Like, you know, today is the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa, the, 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 the Tulsa massacre. Tulsa massacre. Right? Today's the 100th anniversary. Yeah. I didn't learn that in school. I did. We went to private school. Okay. What's your What's your point? I don't know. I don't know. I just want to put that out there. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, yeah. So Texas made a bill. In Texas last week, the state Senate approved a bill to ban critical race theory in public open enrollment charter schools and eliminate requirements to study writings by women and people of color. Wow. Uh, the measure House Bill 3979 targets critical race theory and forbids teachers from dis discussing certain viewpoints in the classroom, including the concept that some people are, quote, inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, where consciously or whether consciously or unconsciously. Supporters said it would keep politics out of schools, while opponents of the measure, one of many sweeping GOP legends across the country, seeks to whitewash lessons about slavery and discrimination in America. Now, the concept that people are inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, by that they mean white people. Uh, yeah, probably. I, I mean, everybody is. That's just what your bias is. Everybody's like, got biases towards people. Like, listen, if you're teaching, if, if critical race theory is about all races, and you know how, how, how certain Asian cultures are racist towards other Asian cultures... Or how, or how black cultures, or how black cultures racist towards each other, right? Like it's it's a big thing in black culture where you know, um, like my my buddy Ricky, um, his his black friends make fun of him constantly because he quote unquote talks white, right? Or he acts white. That's that's a version of what they what he calls black racism. You know, obviously, Jared has other has other instances. You know, like, you know, Jared is uh, a founding partner of the biggest podcast listeners with me, you and Luke Nash. You know, he gets shit for that. I was there for that. Yeah, he got he gets shit. Yeah. For, he gets shit I for mean, that. And I mean, it's like half black, like half black and half white people. I think are probably some of the most discriminated people. Yeah, definitely, Derek Jeter. If not the most discriminated people. Right, like if you're teaching that as well, sure, I think that's great. That should definitely be taught. But if you're teaching it through the prison of white people are bad, that I don't like that. I don't like that sounds racist. Yeah. Oh, I mean it is. And well, my thing is like I don't get not having it in the curriculum, like banning it as a curriculum, but then again it's like banning is a weird word to use for it. I don't know. I don't necessarily think I agree with the word "ban" because I don't. No. I really don't know how somebody would go about putting it in the curriculum for somebody in like elementary school or something like that. If there's like no set doctrine or like agreed upon set of definitions or examples, like then that gets 
even trickier because then you really are in the issue of whitewashing. Yeah. Like that's how that's how I feel a lot of things in school, especially in history, get whitewashed is like, okay, let's just try to simplify this as much as we can so they can retain the information. Yeah, like for an example too, Nash, like uh I, I never learned that George Washington owned slaves in school either. Or Thomas Jefferson for that point. I, I learned that, you know, people of that time owned slaves, but George Washington, Thomas Jefferson specifically, no, that was not brought up. I knew that. You know, like they, they taught us that but my school system taught us that, you know, these people were heroes, the founding fathers, patriots, icons, look up to them on the dollar bill. You know, like I was only taught the good things they did. That's an example of whitewashing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 because you're you're idolizing people. Yeah, exactly. Listen, they should and, they should uh, be definitely. idolized. They that should be idolized. But you should also understand that these people were flawed by today's standards. Well, I mean, everybody is flawed by any standard. I mean, no, no, nobody's perfect. So yeah. it's just kind of like acknowledging that. Like I definitely knew that. Um. I don't know. I feel like I I probably know a lot because I feel like I got taught a lot about the Civil War. More. I didn't get taught that much. And Nash, I'm glad you brought this up. I listened on a podcast yesterday. I know we're supposed to talk about race theory, but uh, I think I think this is, a, this is this is a valid point. So Memorial Day was yesterday. You know to to sell it to to uh, yes. to to, to uh, remember all the fallen soldiers, um, who fought in our wars. But I learned yesterday. That actually it was on a it was on an economic podcast of one thing or another actually um, that Memorial Day was originally called Decoration Day, and what decoration? Did you know this, Nash? Was it? It was made. Was it made by Grant Ulysses S. Grant? It was made after the. It was made after the the Civil War. So after the Civil War, um, that the Decoration Day was put into place where they would go and literally decorate the gravestones of the fallen soldiers of both the North and the South. You know, because at the end of the day, they were all Americans. Americans died in that war, no matter for what side, right? So I viewed it as, you know, it was like, it was like a healing holiday. It kind of reunited the country in some, some certain aspects. But then after World War I, they renamed it to Memorial Day to include the fallen soldiers of World War I, and then all the wars afterwards, which I found sense. I found very interesting because I saw a meme today that I sent you. Um, it was like, "This is Memorial Day, excluding all the racist pieces of shit who died from the South." And I was just like, "Oh, you completely missed the point. <laughs> you 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 just, you just completely missed the point." Now I'm not saying we should change Memorial Day, but you know if you're teaching about Memorial Day. Right, like you know, you, you see these ads or political speeches about Memorial Day. I think that's an important piece of history to include because it it came it would stem from our most divisive time in history, the Civil War. And it was like, hey, listen, we can look back and go, listen, we're all Americans. Let's honor the fallen soldiers, no matter what side. And I think that's something yeah. that would really touch people these days, or people would fucking hate it, one or the other. Well, I mean, it, it really gets into the gray area of sort of that war because I don't think it. people like to label it one-sided. It very much wasn't. Most people were not slave owners. 
Native Americans fought with the Confederates. Did they really? It, like it, it's very yeah, it's why? very not once. Why? Yeah, why? Because the U.S. government took their land away, Daffy. Oh yeah, <laughs> might, might, have, might have might have something might have something to do with it. <laughs> And so it's it's like like uh, you uh, Robert E. Lee like he never owned a slave, and yeah. he was a Confederate general from Virginia, and he fought for the rights of the South to have slaves. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't care about slavery. He cared more States about rights. Virginia. Yeah, yep. He said, "I don't fight for the I don't fight for the uh, Confederacy. I fight for Virginia." Something I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean that's just kind of which yeah, don't get me wrong. There was terrible and slavery is the most horrific institution that's ever existed and still exists today. But it's sort of like to make things one-sided. Like, I think me and you were talking about this the other day. It's like, how do you think slavery was funded? Because buying a slave was very expensive. Oh, it's the New York banks. Most people that bought a slave took loans from New York banks because that was the largest banking structure in the United States. So, I mean, they weren't very happy when they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. And they would just essentially lose all of their money. And, and like uh, a reason, a reason I forget where I heard this, you can please fact check me on this, but a reason why slavery ended in the North was North specifically now was that it was too expensive to keep them. Like they had to house them, they had to feed them, they had to like, you know, clothe them. They had to literally take, take care of them. Yeah. They were getting free labor, but that labor wasn't necessarily free. They had other expenses. So they figured people in the North figured, listen, it's more expensive to not have them be slaves than to have them be slaves. So that's a reason why slavery was um, ended specifically to the North. Yeah, and I, I guarantee if you ask anybody, um, did the Emancipa- Emancipation Proclamation free the slaves? They'd say yes, but, I mean, it didn't. It freed all the slaves in states of rebellion. There were still slaves in Kentucky and all the middle ground states there were still slaves because if all the slaves were freed in the United States, the South, the Confederacy would have gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. So it, it it's kind of like, it's very important to sort of acknowledge those things. Because yes, of course, slavery is atrocious. Um, but it's kind of like ignoring those important historical things. It, I think it makes people have more resentment. Like you don't really bury the hatchet with that. Yeah. You know, you let it sort of subside and people get confused and then they don't really know what they're arguing against. And look, if if you're teaching critical race theory, like the discussion Nash and I just had, I think that's a very productive way to teach America's youth, like high school, a high school class, teaching the complexities of race in America. Don't just be teaching, you know, the systems. If you're black, the systems are against you. The whites are out to get you and it's got harder for you to succeed. Like that's, that's not something you should teach. Like, and it's not, yeah, because I don't think I don't think I'm a, I don't think I support it being totally banned. It's like I hate communism and Marxism, right? Yeah. Yet I think people should read the Communist Manifesto because if you read it, you're like, wow, that document is incredibly outdated. Because the most important thing you learn from it is that capitalism adapted to communism. Communism never adapted; it died. Yeah, like the, the, so, and that's the same thing that happened with the United States. It didn't con- didn't continue these systematic things. It changed the system. Yeah. All right. So critiques to race theory. And we're going to wrap up. 
Opponents argue that critical race theory is a Marxist framework that suggests that uh, that suggests the nation is inherently evil and that white people should feel guilty for their skin color. Quote, I grew up attending segregated schools in the Jim Crow South during a time where people where people were treated differently based on their skin color, wrote Representative Burgess Owens, a Republican from Utah. Uh, critical race theory preserves this way of thinking and undermines civil rights constitutionality uh, constitutionally guaranteed under equal protection before the law in the U.S. institutions at large. Huh. Critical race theory preserves Jim Crow style laws. I don't know if I understand yeah, what he's trying to say here. Well, because he was saying you're trying to look at everything with like the overarching understanding, the fundamental belief, like we said earlier was, okay, ignoring everything else that we know about racism, this system is racist at its core. So if you have that bias looking into things, you're, you're going to find them or create them just because you're looking for them. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean you're right. Mm. It's going in with knowing your it's going with with it's not letting your hypothesis change which is very painful just because it, it it has changed the laws have changed yeah there are wars and movements it's like the, the problem the a problem, lot of people have died for those to change the, the problem is that America is a system of racist instead of was a history of racism. Yeah, because it's harder to find. Because I feel like you could much easier, easily find systems of racism that aren't based in the system, but are based in specific communities or examples or businesses. Yeah, I feel like it'd be much more productive like that than going after the system. Because the system, I think, very largely isn't racist. It's there are many individuals that are. Right. at this point in time. So that's, that's, that's an interesting, it's an interesting story. Again, I'm going to wrap up here with, I don't, I don't necessarily like the idea of banning education. Um, but I, I yeah. like, I like, I like the idea of discussing how it should be taught an outright ban. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. Uh, a reform or a, dis- a discussion on how it should actually be taught correctly. Yeah, I think that's very important because I think critical race theory is an important topic to discuss. You know, like I myself, I learned so much more um, about about racism, its history, and how it affects our country and our people and our, our people and communities by doing research for this podcast, by talking about this podcast with you, Nash, and by doing so many other things. I learned so much. So just that blanket statement, have that taken away? That's that's a mistake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think I agree with that too because that you should definitely be given these theories if they're right or if they're wrong, you know. But sort of having that, I can understand not wanting that to be the background of understanding or the lens to look at U.S. history. Yeah. Um, but outright banning it like that, I feel like it should get brought up maybe. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Treat it as a theory, not as a fact. The theory that can provide facts but can also be disproven. If not now, later. Like, you know, never know. Someone could someone could disprove the theory of evolution. Good luck, but they could. <laughs> you could. 
Yeah, no, or, or the theory like how we know it, whereas the most common one is a slow, gradual change. But there is a theory of evolution that no, 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 evolution occurs in massive leaps. You know, like there's there's more than one way to. Uh, I don't want to say skin a cat because that sounds gross, but there are more than ways, more, more than one way to do things, I guess. Yeah, but Nash, that is a conversation <laughs> for another day. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to episode number seven of American Minutes. <laughs> I had to burp. Uh, American Minutes, a tale of two Cuomo's, man. Fuck those guys. Fuck, it, fuck their dad, Mario, too. I don't even know him. I don't know what he did or what he didn't do, but fuck him. Um, I am Will Tarrish, or and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. Final housekeeping notes. June is Pride Month, and uh, Wrestle Addict Radio, one of the clients and one of our partners over at Ambiguous Podcast Solutions is doing a fundraiser. Um, Wrestle Addict Radio is a our wrestling network filled with four other shows where um, we are, they are, I am also a part of it, uh, Kings Wings podcast. We are doing a fundraiser for the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project is a foundation supported um, by donations just like us, where their goal is to stop suicide in LGBT, LGBTQ plus youth. Um, so people 25 and under. And if you are a member of that community and you need help, make sure you reach out to them. They will help you. Um, but how to, how to help us out. Um, on their show pages, you can go to their, uh, their, their Teespring store and buy their merchandise. Their merchandise is all of their logos, the Kings of the Rings, Wrestle Act Radio, Young Lions Perspective, Fretzelmania, and, and more. Uh, t-shirts, mugs, hats, blankets, tapestries, anything with their logo in the pride rainbow colors. 100% of the proceeds will go to, um, the Trevor Project. But, if you don't like their merch, if you don't want to spend their merch and want something like $35 on a mug, I don't know if that's that much, but $35 on a tapestry, you can go directly to the, um, American Minutes page on our website, go to the donation tab, donate to us directly, and we will make sure 100% of the proceeds do go to the Trevor Project as well. You can also go to the Wrestle Act Radio page, any page on our website that has a donation tab, if they're doing this, if they're helping Wrestle Radio in this promotion, they can donate $5, $1, $100, 50 cents, a quarter, as much or as little as you can give. Please help us out in uh, donating to prevent te- uh, teen and youth suicide from the LGBTQ plus community. Nash, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, definitely go support that. I might, I might get a hat. I might, I might get a hat. Get a hat, dude. The hats are pretty nice. I mean, like, I don't know if this hat is available anymore because this is our old logo. But actually, Dave bought me this hat. He Dave made me this hat and put the uh, put my name on the side. So you can get hats just like this, snapbacks. They're great. I love these hats. I'm probably going to get another hat um, in the rainbow color because it is Pride Month. And um, we're not just like – I saw a meme today, Nash. It's like, why did you change all of your all of your, your logos? It's like it's Mr. Krabs with a reporter and all the different like Facebook, Twitter, um. like Instagram, <laughs> uh, uh, like Amazon. He just goes, why did you change your, why'd you change your logo? Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the cold hard truth. So definitely go actually support it because they don't keep the money; they give it away. Yep, one hundred percent of the proceeds are going away. But next week, Nash, I'm sure we'll talk about more shenanigans. Um, we're gonna be back on Tuesday again because I'm on vacation starting on Thursday night. I'm on Thursday, so I'm coming back Monday. I'm going to the beach, um, celebrating my one year anniversary. Mwah. Um. So we'll be back next Tuesday 
live. But until then, we're off the clock. Damn right.